Father, thank you that you have loved us, O oh God, in such a way that you have called us by your name. That we have the privilege of being called the sons and daughters of God. And it is in the name of Jesus that we have this right. And so, Father, I pray right now that every person under the sound of my voice would know your love in real and intimate ways. God, I believe in this room, I gathered some folks who are holding on to hope right now, who are trying to make sense of what this world continues to throw at us. I pray, God, that you would meet them in this moment, that you would take this one message and divide it up a few hundred ways so that each of us would know that you are with us, that you are for us, that you have called us, that you have loved us. Bless us, Father. Continue to be with us by your Spirit. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning, Sanctuary. Uh, it is an honor and privilege to have the opportunity to uh, come and share this morning uh, from God's Word. Um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Edrin, lead pastor here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church, um, and it's my honor to be a part of what God is doing here at this church in this time. Um, we, we thank you all for being here with us today. There are a number of fine churches all across the Twin Cities, and the sun is out today. Um, so I don't take it for granted that you would be here today. And so I'm grateful for you all giving up some of your time to be with us today. Um, I don't want to get between you and the sun for too long. And so we're going to jump on into this word so that we can enjoy some of it. Uh, we have no idea what the rest of the week has in store for us. We have been, uh, we, we are over the course of this entire year talking about the Holy Spirit. We are, over the course of the entire year, going to wrestle with who is the Holy Spirit, how is the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the church. And so we have been, for the last four weeks, talking about uh, this, this idea of forgotten God, the ways in which the Holy Spirit has often been uh, forgotten by us. We, we know God the Father, we celebrate God the Son, who is Jesus, but we often don't quite know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And so we, we have a desire this year to not just grow in our understanding of who the Spirit is, but to actually be led by the Spirit as we try to be the people God has called us to be. And so we are actually beginning a new series today that we're calling The Spirit Calls. The Spirit Calls, where we will look together at the ways in which the Holy Spirit is at work drawing people to Jesus and how we are called to join in that work as well. So let's jump into this word together. Um, in, in 2017, in the year 2017, a writer by the name of Robert Jones authored a book entitled The End of White Christian America. The End of White Christian America. And the book pulled together some historical themes and data from the Public Religion Research Institute to suggest that Christianity, particularly the Christianity of white Americans, is dying. Jones looked at a number of factors. 
shifting demographics and the changing moral attitudes of the broader culture. And he concluded that America is turning its back on the Christian church. Now, Jones was not the first author to write about this or make this assessment, but this particular article, for some reason, seemed to have great reach. When it was written, there were uh, not many media outlets or publications that did not grab this research and run with it. They popularized its findings. There were countless books written, articles and think pieces and podcast episodes produced that continued to paint the same picture that the church in America is dying. And in the wake of that moment, many of us within the church, many pastors, many leaders gave into this idea as well. Many of us grabbed this idea, internalized it, and accepted it as gospel truth. I want to share with you three disheartening gospel untruths that came out of that study that the church has accepted as fact. The first disheartening assertion, this gospel untruth that was accepted as a result of this study is this idea that the church has lost its impact and its relevance. The second disheartening assertion is that people are leaving churches, all churches, in droves. And the third gospel untruth is that everyone outside the church hates the church. Everyone outside the church is resistant to the church. Those are three assertions that were a part of this study that people just grabbed and ran with it. Many churches have resigned to seeing their death as inevitable and are comfortably sitting there holding on just waiting for death to come and tap them on the shoulder. Many churches have taken on the attitude of the widow of Zarephath. You know the story from the Old Testament of the prophet Elijah, who has been on the run and God has been sustaining him through miraculous ways. And God tells Elijah to go to a city called Zarephath and there will be a widow there. And when you meet her, tell her that God has sent you there and that she is to give you some food. Moses, Elijah, not Moses, Elijah does what God says and goes to that place and finds this widow. And she is there preparing herself for a meal. She says to him, I'm preparing in in, in my paraphrase for my own funeral. I only have a little water and a little grain. I'm going to make a few pancakes and then my son and I are going to lie down and we're going to die. She's preparing for her own funeral. And Elijah comes to her with a message that says, the Lord has said you will provide something for me. And she takes the word of the prophet over the word of her circumstance. And because of her faithfulness, God blesses her, gives her enough for that day. And many days afterwards, God preserves her because she listened more to God's word than the words of the world. I'm calling us today to take on the attitude of the widow who would actually trust God's word, regardless of what it looks like around us. I'm calling us to do what Mark Twain did when reporters found out he was sick traveling to London and stories began to be sent out that Mark Twain had actually died. A reporter found him in London and said, Mark Twain, they're saying you're dead. And he said, go back and tell them that news of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Brothers and sisters, regardless of what studies say, all churches are not dying. 
But the reality is there are some churches that are dying. The churches that are dying are those that are more American and Western than they are biblical. Those churches are actually dying. The churches that are dying are those that major in information while ignoring the Spirit's transformation. Those kinds of churches are actually dying. The churches that are dying are those that refuse the truth of Scripture for the wisdom of this world. I know what God's Word says, but I feel like we should be doing something else. Those kinds of churches actually are dying. And churches that blindly and obsessively get into bed with one political party or another, those kinds of churches actually are dying. The churches that are dying are those that neglect the Lamb of God for a donkey or an elephant. And I'm glad those churches are dying. But there is another reality as well. There are many different churches in many different places all around the world that are growing. There are many churches in many places all around the world that are increasingly relevant and increasingly impactful because they have found a way to keep loving God and loving their neighbor. There are many churches that are continuing to grow, not through transfer growth or by stealing disgruntled members from churches down the road. There are churches that are growing through new commitments to Christ Jesus. And you want to know what makes up the kind of churches that are growing? The, the anatomy of a healthy, growing church is a church that sees itself as a hospital for the broken. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about the kind of church where you don't have to pretend that you've got it all together. I'm talking about the kind of church that acknowledges that it's okay not to be okay. Those churches are growing. You know what other churches are growing? Churches that see themselves as a family table where all are welcome to share in the feast that God has prepared. Those kinds of churches are growing. The churches that are healthy and growing are churches where, where there's a place where, that are a place where people are being equipped, where they're being prepared and trained to live out their faith. Those churches are growing. Churches that are growing are churches that are an embassy out of which people are sent into the world to live out their faith. And all that is wrapped up in the fact that healthy, growing churches are churches that where we worship King Jesus with passion and with authenticity. The churches around the world that are growing are the churches that see themselves as blessed and are seeking to be a blessing to others. Those are the churches that are growing. The churches that are growing are churches that have a heartbeat and a passion for the lost and for the hurting. Those are the churches that are growing. While other churches around the globe are declining, people are flocking to these kind of churches. I call them bless the world churches. And Sanctuary, if you don't know it by now, is a bless the world church. At our best, we are a church that wants to bless the world. I thought I would get a few more amens in this section over here. Sanctuary is striving to be a bless the world church. Amen. We have been from the very beginning called to be a holistic church that blesses the world. When we meet the physical needs of those around us, our neighbors here in North Minneapolis and other places where we call home, we're seeking to bless the world. That's what we're doing. When we fight for biblical justice, we're seeking to bless the world. Amen. 
And when we share the good news of God's love with those who are far from God, we're seeking to bless the world. And the single greatest thing we can do as a church is to help more and more people to discover God's amazing grace. And that's why today we're kicking off this new series that I'm calling The Spirit Calls. The Spirit Calls. This is a series on evangelism, a word that we maybe haven't heard a lot in our history here at Sanctuary. We, we've been a church deeply committed to justice and racial reconciliation, but perhaps we have underpaid paid less attention or, or not enough attention to the idea of evangelism and sharing the good news of who Jesus is so that people might come to know God's love. And so we're going to spend time over these next five weeks talking about evangelism. Another word that we'll use from time to time is invitation. Invitation It's this idea that God has prepared something wonderful. And we would be selfish if we just simply come and receive it ourselves and not take the time to invite others to come and be a part of what God has done. So this series is called The Spirit Calls. Because the Spirit actually does the work of evangelism. It begins with the Spirit. As we dive into this idea of evangelism, and I know it will be new for many of us who've been here for a while, we're going to engage a resource from our denomination called BLESS. BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And BLESS is not a program. It's a posture. It's a way of living out our faith. BLESS is a different way of thinking about how we love our neighbors. BLESS is essentially five missional practices that we can use to introduce people to Jesus. And BLESS is not new. This is not a new thing you need to learn. BLESS is built on practices that you're already doing in your everyday life. Many of us are already doing these with friends and family. What BLESS will do is help us to point it outward to people who may be far from God. Brothers and sisters, at our best, we can bless people and we can bring people new life in Jesus. That's what we're striving to do. Amen. Bless is five missional practices for loving our neighbors and introducing them to Jesus. And I want to introduce all five and then I'm going to jump into the first one today for the time we have together. The first one is to begin with prayer. If we want to bless our neighbors, if we want to help our neighbors to know who Jesus is, the first thing we do is we begin with prayer. Secondly, we listen with care. We listen with care. The third practice is to eat together. Amen? Eat together. I'm not the only one who skipped breakfast in here. I know it. The third missional practice is to simply eat together. The fourth missional practice is to serve with love. Serve with love, something we know well here at Sanctuary. And the fifth missional practice is to share your story. After you've done the work of getting to know others, after you have served others, then you have earned a right to share your story. This idea of bless is five missional practices that will allow us to join with the Holy Spirit in the work of evangelism. And so today, the first missional practice that we're going to get into and dive into is this, begin with prayer. Can you say that with me? Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. I want to say this very clearly. Evangelism 
and invitation begins with prayer. You see, prayer is always the precursor for God's movement in the world and in the church. And if we want to see the Holy Spirit at work in our church and renewal in our community, brothers and sisters, you've got to know that it begins with prayer. You've probably never thought of it this way, but did you know that there was someone praying for you long before you came to Jesus? Long, long before Jesus was on your mind that there was folks who were praying for you? The, Bi- the Bible tells us that first and foremost, Jesus prayed for us. Can you think of how awesome that is to know that Jesus prayed for us? John 17, Romans chapter 8, Hebrews 7 says that Jesus prayed for us long before we were born or had anything in our hearts to say that we wanted to follow after Jesus. Jesus prayed for those who would come and believe in this day. Jesus prayed for us long before we came to know him. But not only did Jesus pray for us, I believe when I look around this room that there are many of us who are only here because we had some loved ones who prayed for us. Anybody here because of a loving and praying grandmother? Anybody here because of a loving and gra- a praying mother? Many of us are here today because while we were out there backing it up like Tom Steyer, while we were out there dipping and tipping and riding and sliding, there were some mothers and grandmothers who were praying for us. Long before you thought it was, it was advantageous for you to come to know who Jesus is, there was somebody praying for you. And I thank God for a praying mother and praying grandmother. I thank God that before I had it in my right mind to, to follow Jesus, they were praying for me. I can remember many nights waking up with a greasy forehead because my mother had slipped into my room with the anointing oil and prayed over me while I was sleeping. I thank God for a praying mother. And I thank God that when I went away to college and and I thought I was old enough to do what I wanted to do, that my mother and grandmother never stopped praying for me. And I thank God that my grandfather, though he was a quiet man, he loved Jesus and he prayed for me. Is there anybody in this room who is here today because somebody prayed for you? Hallelujah. I grew up in a small Baptist church in South Carolina, and we didn't have royal hood. There was no Pastor Rose who could build up a sensational ministry for our children. And so we had to sit in grown-up church the whole time. We had a children's choir. And we had seven songs in our repertoire. And I, I, throughout the course of the entire year, we would sing those songs in an order. One of those songs was, my mother prayed for me, had me on her mind, took the time and prayed for me. See, I must have visited my church. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed for me. I would not be here if it was just up to me. Long before I thought it made sense to follow Jesus, somebody prayed for me. My encouragement to us today is that we can bless others who are far away from God, and it does not first begin by us convicting them of their sins. It begins with us praying for them. 
Now, I know in this room there are many of us who have a Ph.D. in prayer. There, there are some of you, when I said evangelism begins with prayer, you knew exactly what I was talking about. There, there are some of you, Sister Vida, who, who probably have already begun praying for people who are far away from God. But I also know that we have a very young church. We have a church that comes from many different backgrounds. And so when I talk about this idea of evangelistic prayer, many of you have no idea what that looks like. And that's okay. I want to suggest today and help you today, if that's you, by offering up the ABCs of evangelistic prayer. And listen, I don't say this to to insult your intelligence I know we've got some smart people in the room. I know we've got some folks with lots of initials in front and behind their name. But I want to help all of you, and I want to make this as simple as possible, what it means to pray for someone's evangelism. I want to make this simple and portable first so that you can carry it with you into the world. I, I don't want to have to be around for something to make sense for you spiritually. And so I want to make this as simple as possible. The second reason I want to make it as simple as possible is that my expectation is that as I teach you, you would also teach others. The role of a disciple is to not just learn, but also disciple others. And so I hope that as I'm teaching you the ABCs of evangelistic prayer, that you will take this and and when you have opportunity, you would also teach this to others. So what does it mean to pray as a form of evangelism? It first means, A, to accept that you're called. Accept that you are called. You are called, brothers and sisters, whether you know it or not, to share the love and grace of Jesus with the world. For many of you, you you have been led to believe that the work of sharing faith with unbelievers Rest here with me. Or maybe it's Pastor Rose's job. Or maybe it's Tara's job. Or maybe it's the elder's job. Or maybe it's the, the super saints who sit over in that section of the church. But the reality today, brothers and sisters, is that the work of sharing the love of Jesus and the grace of God with all people is all of our jobs. Here's a quote from Kevin Harney from a book, Organic Outreach for Churches. He says, sharing the love and grace of Jesus with the world is the call of every Christian, young or old, new believer or longtime follower of Jesus. We are all called to tell the story of the Savior and show people that he is alive. We are partners in God's work of bringing this message of hope to the world. The responsibility of evangelism lies with everybody. In the Greek, that simply means everybody. (laughs) The work of sharing the love of Jesus is all our jobs. And if you're wondering, Pastor Edron, where'd you get that from? Where is that written in the Bible? Thank you so much for asking that question. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we know it as the Great Commission, says this, And I want to read from the message translation of Jesus undeterred after coming to his disciples and sharing his resurrected presence with them. Uh, Many of them believed and worshiped. Some of them did not. But Jesus was undeterred by all of it. It says he went right ahead and gave this charge. He says, God authorized and commanded me, Jesus, 
to commission you, my followers, to go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you, and I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Jesus said, this is all of our job. And if that modern translation messed it up to you, go back with me to the Second Providence Baptist Church down in Bowman, South Carolina. The King James Version says it this way, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I grew, I grew up in that church wondering, who is Lo? <laughs> and why does, does Jesus promise to go with her and not with the rest of us? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not just going with low. He is going with low, but he's going with us as well. He says, I've commanded you and I will be with you every single day as you make disciples. And here's, here's a newsflash. If you're like most people, you're feeling like, oh, man, this is yet another thing I have to do. And this is another thing that, that Pastor Edwin is saying God is calling me to do, and I don't necessarily feel equipped to do it. The good news is this. We are called to do it, but we're not called to do it alone. You see, there is our part. And our part is to love deeply, and to serve humbly, and to reflect the presence of Jesus consistently, and to scatter the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. But there is also God's part that God does through God's spirit. The spirit does the work of drawing people. The spirit will do the work of changing people's heart. The spirit will do the work of convicting people and helping them to see their sin. The spirit will do the work of washing people clean and offering them that heavenly grace. And if the spirit is doing all that heavy lifting... You and I are freed up to simply have this posture about our life every day. I'm just here to be a blessing. I'm just here to be a blessing. We, we are freed up because we don't have to tell people they're sinning. We don't have to convince people that they're wrong. The Holy Spirit is going to do that work. We're simply here to say, hey, I'm just here to be a blessing. I'm going to walk into work tomorrow morning. Hey, I'm just here to be a blessing, man. That's, that's what I want to do. I just want to bless you. We're going to walk into the gym this afternoon. Hey, I'm just here to be a blessing. That's all, that's all I'm doing. C can you see the difference? One posture says it is my job to convict all these people of their sins and then convict them that Jesus loved them enough to save them. And I'm introducing us to a posture that says the Holy Spirit's going to do the Holy Spirit's part. And our part is just to show up and say, hey, man. I'm just here to be a blessing. I'm just here to be a blessing. The first part of learning the art of evangelistic prayer is the first just A, accept that you are called. Wherever you find yourself this week, wherever you go this week, whatever you are doing this week, accept that you are called to share the love and grace of Jesus with the world.
Second part in the ABCs of evangelistic prayer is to be personal. Be personal. Sometimes when we talk about evangelism, it's this big, this big abstract idea, and we have no idea what to do with it. But I'm calling us today to be personal, to go from this general, broad idea to being very specific about evangelism. And, and that looks like us having our eyes opened to the specific needs and the specific people to whom God may be calling us. Let's look together at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 37. Here's, here's what God's word says about this idea of having our eyes open to the needs around us. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease, every disease and sickness. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to find those who were lost and to help those who were hurting. Jesus attended to the physical needs that he encountered, encountered, but he did not neglect the spiritual needs of those people either. And those most visible needs, those needs that are right there on the surface that we come into contact with, they actually become a window for us to live out the gospel and a door to deeper spiritual transformation. The ministry that Jesus modeled for us continues today through the church through you and through me. And so the practical step I'm asking for you to consider today is to just think of five people in your life who are far from God. Who who are five people in your life that are far from God, who don't have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus? Who, Who are those names and those faces? I want to put a a slide up on on the screen. There's a a model that can help us in our processing. It's called the Franck model. Think about your friends. Do you have friends who are far from God? Think about your relatives. Do you have relatives who are far from God? Think about your acquaintances. Do you have acquaintances that are far from God? Think about your neighbors. Folks walking up and down the sidewalk, letting their dog do their business in your yard. Pray for them. <laughs> Think about your coworkers and your colleagues. Who are the names and faces that God is calling to mind right now? I'm going to ask you to identify those five. Not to go and confront them tomorrow at work, but to begin to pray for them. That's our third point. Third and final point today, as you've identified those five in your circles of influence who are far from God, how do you commence to pray for them? How do you begin to pray for them? And you might be saying today, Pastor, I have no idea what it means to pray for somebody that they might come to know Jesus. Here's some examples. They're up here on the screen, but there's also some great information in your bulletin today that can help you begin to know how to pray for people you can simply pray the prayer that we find in John 7, 37 through 39, that that person will 
first become thirsty for God. It's a very simple prayer that you can pray. You can pray the prayer of John 6, 44 through 45, that God will draw that person to Jesus. You can pray the prayer of Romans 3 and Titus 3, that that person will become receptive to God's grace. You can pray the prayer of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, that that person will take genuine steps of repentance. And there's an entire list of ways in which you could very tangibly pray for people who are far from God, that the Holy Spirit would begin to work on their hearts, and that the Holy Spirit would open doors for you to journey with them to know the love and grace of God through Jesus. Acknowledge that we're all called. Be personal and commence with prayer. My prayer for us at Sanctuary is that more and more everything we do, every person, every family, every life group, every ministry, every program would be working together in in unison so that more and more people will come to know the love and grace of God through Jesus. That is my hope for us. That is my hope for us. That we won't have some people pulling in this direction and we won't have some people pulling in that direction, but all of us together would begin to work so that more and more people will come to know the love of God through Jesus. And some of you might be saying that sounds very bold and audacious and I have no idea how we even are going to do that. The assignment today is to begin with prayer. Acknowledge that we're called to it. Be personal about it. And let's commence to praying about it. Father, thank you that you love us, that you've called us to something that seems much bigger than us. God, if it was something that we could do on our own, why would we even need you? God, you've called us to share your love and grace with the world that desperately needs it. And the incredible part is that there are many in the world who don't even realize yet that they need the love of Jesus. So God, I pray that you would help us as a church to join with the Holy Spirit in the work of evangelizing and inviting many to come and know of your love. God, we're not going to stop meeting the physical needs in this community. We're not going to stop fighting for biblical justice and racial reconciliation. We're simply going to also see that those things are a way of helping people to know more about you. So God, we will pay attention to the doors that you open. We're going to pay attention to the people of peace that you bring into our orbit. And God, we are going to step out in faith and share your love with the world. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't do this by our own, that we have our brothers and sisters with us. And thank you most of all that we have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who calls. The Spirit who ultimately blesses. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.